To understand the Raiders' mystique, you need to understand Al Davis. Nobody understands Davis better than the former longtime Raider scout, John Kingdon. And he was very close to Al Davis, the type of guy that Al would call up any time of the day or night with questions. John, he really was that way. He wasn't afraid to call you any time and about any subject. Well, it particularly, uh, I wasn't the only one he would do that. You know, when Ron Wolf was here, uh, you know, and Ron would be on the East Coast and Al was on the West Coast. You know, he didn't uh, take that into consideration either. But like I said, he would call any any type of subject at any time of day, whether it was about uh, what's going on our team or another team or or uh, what's going on in the, the WNBA or a political situation. So uh, I certainly tried to stay abreast of everything for him. A fascinating guy. And the big news, though, of course, is John Gruden coming to the Oakland Raiders. He's going to be there for 10 years, so he's going to be there in Vegas, uh, one of the most successful coaches along with John Madden and Tom Forrest to coach the Raiders. Want to talk to you about that. Let's talk about the first time Gruden was around with Al Davis. Now, when he took over, things were really bad, right? I mean, they were 4-12, and 12, and that was really unusual at that time. Well, we'd, ha- we'd actually had a, uh, a pretty bad run. We, had, uh, we essentially had three coaches in four years, uh, from Chell to Mike White to, uh, to Joe Bugle. And, and I, you know, the tail was wagging the dog there and it was a very, very dysfunctional environment. And, uh, I, I laid it, you know, Al, you could really say anything you wanted to Al, you know, one on one. And, you know, he asked me after that last game of Joe's year, you know, what did I think? I said, you really want to know? He says, yeah. And I just, I, I laid into it. I said, it's, it's the effort that we put in. It's just not worth it. And he said to me, I'm going to turn this thing around. And, and that's where we came up with John Gruden. Now, I don't know that. He knew what he was getting with John on uh, the complete level. I think he knew he was getting a real workaholic guy with a lot of energy, but I, I don't think he knew quite the uh, charismatic power uh, that John really had to uh, to present to everybody. You know, when he says that to you, then he goes out and he interviews not only him, but Bill Belichick. Really interesting. Those are two of the best coaches in the history of the league. How do you think Belichick would have worked with Al? I mean, do you, do you think there would have been anything like what happened in New England, or do you think eventually uh, those two would have butted heads? Uh, I think uh, two reasons it wouldn't have come through. First of all, he has nothing but the greatest respect for Bill Belichick, but now's history. He always hired offensive coaches. I think I think he really just enjoyed the opportunity to talk to uh Bill Belichick and I think Bill really enjoyed talking with Al just as an aside whenever you know when Al was on speakerphone with Bill Belichick I coach Belichick always referred to uh, Al Davis as Mr. Davis and I really always enjoyed that uh, just as a, a, another reason I don't think it would have worked uh, was because there was a time in the book I talked about uh, how I came to the uh, discovery that George Allen wanted to get our head coaching job after uh, John Madden retired because I had picked up uh, uh, Coach Allen and took him to see uh, uh, Daryl Stingley, and we were talking, and, and when I got through with it, I said, this guy still wants to coach. So a couple of months later, I was driving with Al, and he said, guess who wants to be my head coach? I said, George Allen? He, wow, how'd you know that? You know, I was impressed yeah. with that. And he said, well, I said, would you have hired him? I said, nah, he and I couldn't have worked together. <laughs> Even though he had nothing but respect. And I think it would have been the same way with, with Bill. They would have been uh, at loggerheads and, it would have been it would have been a great to uh, hear them two, uh, the two of them debate in the room as to what to do, but it uh, it probably wouldn't have worked in the end. Well, he made the right choice for the time. When you think about 
Gruden and so forth. Did he know about his strong personality? I mean, did that go into, and also I know he was afraid the fact that he looked 18, I think. Uh, he was young and, uh, you know, he had talked to uh, Bruce Kebrick, the co-author, and he said to say, boy, how do I hire this guy? He's, he looks so young. And then, and then I think Bruce said, well, how old were you when you got your first uh, head coaching job? And, and he conceded the point. And I think maybe uh, he thinks, he, I think Al probably thought he would have, uh, and would probably like to maybe given John more direction, thinking he needed more direction. But, but John hit the ground running and uh, really went uh, with his philosophy right from the start. Yeah, well, you know, and it's funny because when Gruden took over, I remember watching the team, and it was a reminder of 1963 when Davis came over. It's like there's a new sheriff in town and the whole different feel of the team. Uh, very much so. And, I, you know, John uh, didn't waste any time uh, taking over. And, and, again, he came in with a situation where, uh, you know, the players weren't used to a strong coach. And, you know, the first practice, uh, you know, John was John. Uh, there was no uh, uh, building up to it. He hit the ground running, you know, with that Gruden uh, voice and attitude. And any little mistake in that first practice, he jumped all over it. And uh, after the practice, I mean, it was a revelation to me as well. He was walking up the stairs. And I was right behind him. And I just said, you know, Coach, that was a great practice. And he turned around, you know, kind of slowly. He went, hey, John, I'm going to make these players hate my, hate my freaking guts. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah. either, but it's his way or the highway, right? I mean, I think that's true today. Well, in fact, uh, just, you know, the other classic story that really drove it home to the players right from the beginning uh, was a story about Larry Brown, who was a free agent that had not worked out well at all and was a particular favorite of Al Davis's. And, you know, people challenged John because, you know, they didn't know what they had. You know, like you said, he was a young looking guy and was a young guy. So Larry Brown walks into John's office after uh, one of the first practices and says, hey, look, this is how I'm going to be treated. This is how I'm going to practice. And this is how I'm going to play. Do you have that? John says, yeah, yeah, I do have it. And he called Mark Ortega in, says, Mark, uh, buy this guy a ticket and send his ass home right now. Well, wow. he was number 24, which is what Larry Brown, which is what Charles Woodson uh, wanted when he came in, but it was Larry Brown's number. Well, that afternoon's practice, when Charles Woodson went out to practice wearing 24, I think the revolution, you know, it really became clear to the players that there was a new sheriff in town. Wow. And you know, the thing with Larry Brown they used to call that what being on um, Al Davis's scholarship, and I guess the veterans really liked the fact that they saw. Okay, we're not going to play it that other way. We're going to put the best people out there. Uh, yeah, I think that absolutely bothered a lot of people, except maybe the ones that were on the uh, quote scholarship. And, and John cleaned it out uh, pretty well. And then we, you know, and, and we worked all we all worked together. It wasn't just John and Al. Certainly uh, had a great deal to do with the uh, personnel and such. But we did a, you know, get, getting uh, Rich Gannon, I mean, really set the tone for everybody where he was such a leader. You know, people have asked, uh, you know, the difference between uh, Derek Carr and Rich Gannon. Uh, you know, and I think Derek tries to be a leader. You know, he takes responsibility. Oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. No one else's fault. It's my fault. Whereas Rich Gannon uh, would call out the players that made the mistakes. You call out a receiver that ran the wrong pattern or call out a, an offensive lineman that missed a block. And I think uh, that's the kind of uh, I think that's the change I believe that John's going to want to see in Derek Carr. Yeah, and that really excites Raider fans uh, in both Vegas and in Oakland. I, I I think they've been waiting for this for a while. It took a lot of guts in those days, though, John. Right? I mean, you were close to Al to go against Al 
really took a lot of guts at that time, or, you know, throughout his career. Well, sure. But I think, you know, when John came in, he has, I got a three, I guess a four year contract. So what the heck you want to fire me? You owe me three more years. I don't believe he had that attitude whatsoever. And in fact, I think he was a little nervous that, you know, he was talking to Bruce uh, Kebrick. He says, you know, I think I'm going to get fired. Uh, he said, what do you mean? Well, I just cut uh, Larry Brown. I didn't consult with Al. And John and then Bruce, you know, oh, but that's going to be great. That's really going to send the message. I think the other thing that John had going for him was I used to sit in the coaches' meetings, particularly training camp, and Al would come up with Art Shell and Art, what about uh, trying this formation? Art would write it down. And Art, what about you know trying this play? And he'd write it down. And you know what about making this adjustment in personnel? And Art would write it down. When John came in, Al would say, what about this formation? And John would say, well, you know, we just put it in yesterday. We're going to try it tomorrow. What about this play? Well, we tried it last week, don't you remember? And that didn't work. What about this person? Oh, yeah, we're thinking about that. But every so often, Al would come up with something. And John would say, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. But, you know, John, I think Al uh, almost got a little frustrated that, that John was uh, pretty much on the same page with Al and uh, maybe in some ways a little bit ahead of him at that point. The other press conference he had the other day when they introduced Gruden, all the veterans that were there, it shows those guys, and these are the major names, guys like Jerry Rice, you mentioned Gannon, Tim Brown, Howie Long was there. The veterans really liked him, right? They, they didn't mind this fact that he could, you know, he could be your best friend or your worst friend. You know, he could go off on you. They seemed to appreciate what he could do. Well, I think they wanted to win. I think people were really getting tired of losing the way that uh... – that the team was losing and in both a lot of number of the players that weren't there when John was there, but before and were really frustrated and, and got excited. Uh, again, the players that, uh, the John coach, particularly, you know, the Timmy Browns and the Jerry Rice's and the Lincoln Kennedy's. And, and yet it's a, it's a great tribute that the, uh, Clement Daniels, you know, from the sixties and, and, you know, Howie Long and guys that came there before John, uh, and really appreciated that he brought the team back to where it was supposed to be. And I think this was just another acknowledgement on their part uh, in appreciation and the excitement about John coming back now. We talked about these big names, but I remember watching the Raiders when they made their second trip into Oakland. There were some guys where, just as a fan, you could see their heart wasn't in it. He had no trouble getting rid of these guys. And I mean, like a guy like Jeff George, did that drive Gruden crazy? I know Al, he had the skills that Al loved, but the problem was it, he just couldn't go that extra mile. No, you know, there's, there's a certain intangible, really, that the great quarterbacks have. And, and Jeff was a good guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. Was, you know, he, he, was, he took people under his wing uh, that worked in the office. But he didn't have that, that thing that Rich Gannon had, that John Elway had, that Peyton Manning had. And just, uh, you know, the classic story for me is after one of our games, I, I was sitting next to John in the airport uh, waiting for the uh, charter to get ready. And, and John says to me, Look at that freaking Jeff George sitting next to my assistant, Tommy freaking Jones. Do you think Brett Favre would be sitting next to Tommy freaking Jones? Heck no. He'd be buying drinks for his linemen. He says, one time I said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, do you ever think about taking your linemen out to dinner? Oh, of course not. He never thought about it. So I said, Jeff, I got a lot of money. I'll pay for it. Take your linemen out to dinner. Do you think he ever did it? Heck no. And and I've cleaned up the language a lot for your show here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it, was, it was it was pretty ripe, but I think that was really what uh, what got really frustrated John uh, that someone as talented as Jeff was uh, that he just couldn't uh, reach him and to to do all the things that were necessary uh, to become a great quarterback. And you know, and Rich Gannon comes in 
again, you know, a talented quarterback, but you know, no, nobody was as, as good as an arm with Jeff George. But Rich came in and was just a perfect match for, for John. Competitive, tough, worked hard. I, I think what John really liked, which displays the exact opposite of Jeff George, was uh, you know, Jeff goes to the paper soon after he was hired. And it was an article that says, how come I'm the only coach in here working on Saturdays? I don't see any players. I don't see other coaches uh, here. I, I don't see any other players here working besides myself. And Al called me, saw the article, says, who the heck is he? I said, he's your quarterback. I said, this is great. He said, he's just a guy. And he hung up on me. Jeez. You know, John, how difficult was it to bring in Rich Gannon? Because, yeah, he's not what you'd call Al Davis's quarterback, you know, that type of guy. He's not a Jim Plunkett in terms of the skill set and so forth. How did they convince him? Because I know that wasn't his first choice. No, it really wasn't. <clears throat> but, you know, at that point, there really wasn't a lot of quarterbacks uh, out there that fit what Al was looking for. And, in fact, uh, it came down to Jeff Garcia, who, had, who, who was coming off a great career in Canada, and uh, and Rich, again, I turned out I wasn't around when these went on, but I heard Jeff just had a, an awful, awful workout. And then the other story I heard was Paul Hackett was a great, great fan of Rich Gannon's, and uh, John had worked with Paul Hackett, and Paul called John and, and was really sold him and said, "This is this guy's going to be perfect for your system." And and I really Al didn't have a, a fallback situation uh, to go with besides Rich, and you know it worked out great. And you know we had drafted even we thought we had drafted the perfect backup for uh, for Rich in uh, Marcus Tuiasasopo. You know, and then when he got his opportunity, they switched offenses. So uh, so you know, the key is you, you get the right quarterback and the right head coach and the right system. You know, a uh, la New England, you know, a la Pittsburgh, and, and we had it. You know, for that period. Uh, it's it's so sad. And, you know, there was a, a point where J- John, although he made a huge change right from the start, 1999, there were seven or yeah, seven and eight. They're playing the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to go in the playoffs if they win that game. And they beat him. And I remember that one of the great games in Raider history, really, with this fantastic effort. That sort of saved his job at that point, right? Because Al was thinking of making another change. Well, I wasn't even aware of that at that point. And, and you know, it's funny when Hugh Jackson became the head coach, he had uh, all the coaches and scouts together for dinner. And we, he said, go around the room and come up with your best game with the Raiders outside of, you know, winning the Super Bowl. And I remember it was Greg Beaker and Steve Wisniewski and I all brought up that game. We were down 17 nothing. It was the uh, Millennium game. Uh, we weren't going to go to the playoffs. The Chiefs were going to go to the playoffs. Kenny Shedd blocks a punt. And then Rich and Tim Brown and Napoleon uh, Kaufman, all of them did it. But I wasn't aware at that point, but Al, but Al said it to me and he said it to a number of people. He says, yep, good that John won that game because I was probably going to get rid of him if he hadn't won, which which when I heard that, I was thinking, thank goodness he won. But I, <laughs> I, I found it hard to believe. But, you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think that was, you know, if there's an, uh, an object lesson in all of what's Al, you know, the history of Al, uh, you know, you had Madden there for 10 years and, and wins a Super Bowl. Tom Flores there nine years, wins two Super Bowls and should be in the Hall of Fame as well. And then you jumped around from Shanahan to Shell to White to Bugle. Now we got some stability with John and suddenly we, we go back to Bill Callahan to North Turner to Art Shell to Lake Giffen to Tom Gable to Hugh Jackson. So I think, you know, I think uh, and, and the good teams realize you get the right coach 
stay with him. And, you know, in retrospect, he should have sold to John, give him a blank uh, contract, and just don't fill in the figures, which evidently Mark Davis did as well. What I don't understand, and I'd like you to explain it because you talk about patience. It took a long time before Madden got the Super Bowl. I mean, there were great Raider teams. They were always competitive, but it took a while. He was patient there. He stayed with Flores for a long time. Is it the fact that Gruden was the rock star. Is that the thing that irritated him where a guy like Madden or Flores were more low-key, at least in terms of, can't call John Madden low-key, but you know, you didn't see their faces on billboards and that kind of thing? Or is it just the difference between Al in the 60s, 70s, and 80s versus Al uh, you know, in the 21st century? Well, you know, we actually have another chapter called Saving Face, and we talk about the three people that he really had problems with, and he shouldn't have, but he did. We're great people in the organization from uh, starting with, you know, Kenny Stabler, you know, all of famer, great player. And there was obviously issues there. And then Marcus Allen, truly one of my favorites and uh, as competitive uh, a player as ever was. And then John Gruden. And, and I think the thing they all had in common was they all were becoming the face of the organization. And I really think that that, uh, that kind of wore on Al, and it really bothered him. And, uh, you know, there was a story where Al's driving by the uh, south on the 880 freeway in Oakland, and there's a big billboard uh, with John's face on it, you know, with uh, promoting the radio station. You know, and Al says, who the hell hired him? And, you know, who the hell gets <laughs> him the players? And it really bothered him. And then, you know, Steve Corkman told a story uh, that wasn't in the book that I, I should have been, you know, where Al, you know, when Al was walking by in practice, coming off the field, usually the press would gravitate over towards him and, you know, ask for his input on things. And uh, and he told the story that Gruden was there and everyone's talking to John and Al's walking by and they ignored Al. <laughs> it yeah, really bothered <laughs> Yeah, and they could, uh, he said, wait a minute, uh, what's going on here? So, unfortunately, I think that really became a factor in the... Uh, and, and uh, led to be uh, you know, his last 10 years of uh, real problems. <laughs> 